the way, the Biden administration has been slow in providing military support. Make no mistake about this. We promised them 33 Abrams tanks in January. I heard again two weeks ago in Ukraine, they still don't have them. We've been telling them we'll train their F-16 pilots, but now they're saying maybe January, we'll let somebody transfer some jets. I'm sorry, Mr. Vice President, have you, I know you're running for president. You are are distressed that the Ukrainians don't have enough American tanks. Every city in the United States has become much worse over the past three years. Drive around. There's not one city that's gotten better in the United States. And it's visible. Our economy has degraded. The suicide rate has jumped. Public filth and disorder and crime have exponentially increased. And yet... Your concern is that the Ukrainians, a country most people can't find on a map, who've received tens of billions of U.S. tax dollars, don't have enough tanks. I think it's a fair question to ask, like, where's the concern for the United States in that? Well, it's not my concern. Tucker, I've heard that routine from you before, but that's not my concern. I'm running for president of the United States because I think this country's in a lot of trouble. You think about the last election and what happened, um, historic numbers, for the current president, 81 million votes, 15 million more than Barack Obama, twice the population of New York City more than Barack Obama. What do you think of that? In terms of Biden? Yeah, 81 million votes. They are saying that Joe Biden got 81 million votes. And my question is, do you accept that? And second, how do you think he did that? I mean, all I care about is changing that. Like, I right. don't, we can't afford a President Kamala Harris. I will say that over and over. Amen. And we have to do everything we can to make sure that that happens. So, uh, you know, a nation that great has to be aware of threats to its very existence. Absolutely. Yesterday, Biden mobilized reserves. What do you think of that? And are you concerned that we're moving, as we seem to be, toward war with Russia? Yeah, so I would say that without any question, we should never allow American soldiers to be engulfed into the challenge between Ukraine and Russia. Our boots on the ground should not be there. The ability... My mama wanted to preach or someone will stand up and do it some <laughs> way. Preach! Hallelujah! So... Literally, so I think one of the failures of President Biden has been his inability to articulate America's national vital interest in the conflict or the genocide in Ukraine. America's national vital interest is degrading the Russian military. When we degrade the Russian military, we make sure that our home front is safer and that our NATO ally partners that would cause us to send soldiers over is safe. When we have the land contiguous with Ukraine safe, we keep our American soldiers at home and our primary objective should only be to engage with America's vital national interests are being engaged and unfortunately President Biden has no ability to understand and appreciate what that looks like. I wish the DC elites cared as much about our border as they do about the Ukraine-Russia border. Because there's people pouring into this country. We have people dying from fentanyl overdose. The cartels are running the show. And what I've said is, this is something on day one, declare a national emergency, mobilize all resources, including the military, stop the invasion, yes, build the wall, but most importantly, 
authorize the Border Patrol, authorize our military to deal with the cartels. If they're breaking into our country, bringing product, if I'm in charge, that's going to be the last thing they do because they're going to end up stone cold dead. Amen. Went, oh my gosh, America's being represented. We got to get him back in. I'm, I'm sorry, there's some lovely people that are on this stage, and I, I'll tell you what, my heart would be racing if I were up there facing some of these questions because Tucker is asking tough questions. But I feel like we're dealing with the B team here. And I, I believe are you that. Are disappointed President, that President Trump couldn't make it today? Well, I know how it goes when you're a candidate, and, and I, from what I, I understand, he for three months said, I can't make yeah. it, I've got a scheduling conflict, right, right. And, and didn't make it. I mean, I had that happen to me, where I, I literally had already committed to something else, and yeah, then an event would happen, and they say she didn't show up. And I'm like, well, I, what am I, I supposed to say no to the person yeah. I've already committed so to? So you don't, because I don't believe this, I believe it was a scheduling conflict. I believe it was too. He was here yeah. last Friday. He's coming again, I believe, on Tuesday for a full yeah. slate of, okay. of appearances. Yeah. And he's going to be here at the end of the month. What I do know is that President Trump is not snubbing Iowa. I don't think there's been any president in my lifetime who's been better for Iowa. Yeah. All right. Welcome back on this Monday. Interesting weekend at Iowa. I don't know how many people uh, actually watch that, but I thought it was pretty interesting. You get to see... Uh, each candidate, a little different perspectives on everything there. And uh, I kind of wanted to go through them all. I know it was a little lengthy coming into the uh, episode here, but I kind of wanted to go over all of them. <laughs> I mean, at least address them a little bit. You know, so we'll, we'll go in order, um, the same order that you heard the audio in. Uh, Mike Pence. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> political suicide comes to mind. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you feel. But uh, unless he answered that in a, a way where he needs to clarify it after the fact, which is already it's still bad, but, I mean, the fact that he basically said it's not his concern, I think Mike Pence, whatever little chance that he thought he may actually have to somehow beat everybody out in the primary, which I, I honestly don't think he had a shot in hell there. I don't know what he's running for. I don't I don't. With the MAGA crowd, I don't see how he convinced himself that he would have enough support to get to the finish line and then uh, go toe-to-toe with Joe Biden. I just don't see it. Uh, Somebody must be lying to him and telling him that people are sick in Trump and they're more uh, willing to go in. I don't know. Mike Pence, nobody heard of Mike Pence, to be honest with you, from uh, since before Trump. Uh, He got there and everybody's last thought of Mike Pence was Judas Pence that he betrayed and, and double-crossed Donald Trump in the very end. Um, so I don't see how he actually thought he had a shot. But whatever shot that he thought he may or may not have had, I would say he just <laughs> just put the last nail in that coffin. I, I think he's uh, where he's all done there. I, I don't see how you come back from comments like that. He's a typical politician, and it's going to be a common theme here as we go through these, but... Typical politician, he is all for supporting Ukraine. He's more upset that Ukraine is not getting the deliveries that have been promised to them by the Biden administration, tanks and whatnot, uh, than he is about America itself. I mean, you you can't fix that. You can't come back and start, well, my concern is America. My concern is this country. My concern, it doesn't seem that way. It seemed that you were very upset when Tucker first when you were first going there and Tucker had to cut you off and point out that who cares what Ukraine has I mean at this point who cares we did the right thing we supported them in the beginning first couple of weeks even the first month if you support them after that 
Give me a break. I'd say like everybody else, I supported it in the beginning. Of course I did. You know, from everything that we are seeing and getting, you're looking at it going, okay, you know, we support these people. You know, we support what they're trying to do. Now, like 99% of people, I thought that it was going to be over within a few days. And here we are, here we are uh, well over a year later, and you're still worried about Ukraine? Nobody's, no, nobody's worried about Ukraine. Uh, Democrats are worried about Ukraine because there's a lot of money being filtered through there. That's about the only people that are worried about Ukraine. So Mike Pence, I think that it was a very foolish move, a foolish statement, and pretty much I would say his political career has uh, run its course. All right, uh, Nikki Haley, <laughs> typical politician. You ask a question, and they dance around the question by bringing up a separate issue that is somewhat attached to the question that was asked. She never answered the actual question. The actual question was, um, does she believe, or how does she feel about Joe Biden getting the votes that he did, and she didn't want to openly admit that there was any problems with the 2020 election. There is no issue here with having an opinion. You don't have to focus your campaign around the 2020 election. I honestly am like most people. It happened. (coughs) Excuse me. We understand it happened. We do need to move on. We're three years into the future. Uh, We're looking towards the future. There's nothing we can do about what has already happened other than understand it and put some try to tighten up regulations and make sure that voting is as safe as it can be. And we move forward from here. That's, that is the best and pretty much only course of action. You cannot change the past. Well, she's, she doesn't even want to answer the question, which makes you wonder why, why don't you want to answer the question? It's a simple question. Do you believe I, I find it, you know, not realistic. I find it unbelievable that he could get that much more support than Barack Obama, who was um, amongst Democrats, so wildly popular. That's all she had to say. Um, It wasn't difficult, but she did the typical politician thing. You know, she uh, didn't answer the question. She danced around it, and uh, that's it. And you can't force her. You can ask and ask, but they're not going to answer. They're not going to answer. And so many politicians are like that. They just refuse to answer questions. So Nikki Haley, again, I, I I never thought she'd go anywhere anyways. But I would say after a showing like that, that she's not going to go much further. I think you're going to start seeing, in not too far into the distant future, you're going to start seeing people dropping out of the race. All right, moving on to your next politician, Mr. Scott. <laughs> I don't think Mr. Scott did any better. Uh, he confronts him over America's need to be involved in the Ukraine war. And the answer that he gave, I mean, really <laughs> is a... It's a, it's a trash answer. Uh, his argument is that America's vital national security needs to degrade the Russian military. doesn't even make any sense. I mean, we, how, how many years was Trump in the White House? We weren't degrading their military. They knew better. They knew there wasn't a globalist in there. They knew there wasn't a weak president in there. There was really, I think it's been more damaging that Russia has shown itself and it shows how weak they actually are. So what are we degrading right now? I don't, I don't, I think it makes no sense at all. Actually, I think it exposes him as, as being a, an interventionalist, uh, profiting off of the war. Yeah. I don't, I don't think, uh, I think Tim Scott exposes himself as a rhino, which we all kind of knew he was anyway. I mean, it's not, it's not like this is news to anybody, 
But I, I think the truth behind, he is a GOP establishment candidate. Uh, and just like Nikki Haley, he dodges the straightforward question and does a whole razzle-dazzle. His was even a little bit more animated because he jumped up out of a seat and he's doing the whole supposed preacher thing because he wants to stand. When the question was asked, I don't know. I don't know. For me, I understand that you have a crowd there. But if Tucker Carlson and I are having a conversation, he asks me a question. I'm going to look at him as I answer. I may look around the crowd, but the majority, I'm going to be focused on the person that I'm directly talking to. You're hearing what I have to say. Tim Scott just couldn't wait. Tucker asked the questions. His attention turned right to the audience. He wants to jump out of the chair and give you this long-winded piss excuse of why we should be there. Now, we shouldn't be there at all. And him trying to convince you that, like Tucker, the question was, well, use other people's military to, to degrade Russia's military might or power. I mean, there, even then, he couldn't answer that question because that is more or less what he was alluding to. And then he wants to rephrase it because he understands now by what Tucker asked how bad that just sounded. How, how poorly that, that just came out. So, oh, let me, let me think of a quick way. So I'm going to tell a quick story about our Judeo-Christian values and then I'm going to go from there. Tim Scott, I don't believe, had much of a shot in this. I think Tim Scott was one of the people that was fighting for potentially a VP candidacy. Um, you know, it's it's uh, just another it's just another rhino. You know, listening to all them, Mike Pence. You expected all these people to to fall off. I, I didn't. I don't think anybody expected any of these people to get down to your last few choices. I think most of them would be out early enough. I think Vivek would have did better. I think Vivek will do better. I think he'll he'll be one of the candidates if he can um, raise enough money to stay in the game for the long haul. I think Vivek gets a lot further than any of these people because he's got a lot of he's very charismatic. Uh, people like him that he's young. He's a businessman. He's not a politician. He speaks his mind, speaks the truth, and a lot of people support him, especially a lot of the younger people. So I think he gets I think he gets to the the final uh, the the final decision of who's it going to be in the end. I, Anyways, he wasn't there. I don't have him on this particular podcast uh, or episode. Uh, Ron DeSantis next. Ron DeSantis was pretty much how Ron DeSantis is when you listen to him all the time. He knows what he wants. He understands what people want. And he is uh, saying that he can do what your heart desires. He's telling you that he could get it done. Do I believe him? I would say his track record speaks for itself. I think Ron DeSantis potentially could do what he wants to do. He's going to be a little bit tougher in the state of Florida here. We have the House. We have the Senate in the state of Florida. We got all the judges uh, that are on the right side. It's a lot easier to pass things and get them through here than it will be having to go through the House and the Senate, um, you know, having to go through Congress. Do I think he can get most of it done if he is to be the guy? Uh, if he can't, I don't think that, uh, I mean, I definitely think that he, uh, would try. I think he'd give it his all in all and would try. Uh, he was probably most impressive out of the group, to be honest with you, uh, listening to him talk. He was exactly what I expected him to be. Uh, and that was, that was it with him. I don't have a lot to say. I don't, there's so much going about Ron on about Ron DeSantis. It depending on who you listen to, what, where, and how, he is liked in some places. He is not liked in others. And then there are some levels of how he is liked. 
Uh, for example, if somebody doesn't like him, it may not be that they don't like him as a person. They don't like the amount of time he's been in office. They don't feel he has the experience to go up and be the president yet and deal with everything that he's got to deal with, which is I can understand that because he's just on his second term as a governor, so he doesn't have a whole lot of name recognition. Um, but he does. You know, he's coming with a pretty impressive resume here in Florida. You know, I can say that about him. Um, other people think that he's a globalist. You have a lot of people that argue that there are things that he has done and said that he's a globalist, and there is a certain amount of people that truly believe that and follow that. Yeah. Uh, I can only speak to what I see here, and I've said this, I'm repeating myself here too many times. Um, if he's a globalist, he's got to be the worst one I've ever seen because the policies here in Florida are not are not globalist friendly. So I, you know, you're not from here. We deal with this every day. It's more in our face. It's more our news. Only certain things that the, uh, the left wants to attack make the national news where you hear things about Florida. But everything that he's doing here, if he's a globalist, man, he sure sucks at that. <laughs> I, I, I can tell you, I don't. I don't see it. Not that I wouldn't be open to a conversation with anybody, particularly like a Laura Loomer, because she's all over them. Yeah, particularly her, and, and she's entitled to her opinion. I still listen to her. Um, she's she is uh, she's a tough girl, and she's proven that. Uh, and she thinks that he is he's not the right guy. And uh, I'd be even open to a conversation with her to pick her brain and see what do you actually solid proof. I don't want to know what Johnny and Kathy said over there. I want to know. So give me some solid proof. Show me and convince me that I'm wrong. I would be willing to sit down with her. Um, But uh, some people like him, some people don't. So he, but I think he was probably the strongest person there uh, that day. And then some commentary from Carrie Lake where she goes off and she's talking about, uh, what she perceives as the B team. President Trump is not there. This is the B team. And she's getting a little bit of, uh, or she got a little bit of uh, backlash for that comment. I don't think that that's an unrealistic comment. I mean, if you're going to compare everybody there to Donald Trump, I, yeah, I mean, that is the B team. <laughs> the only one that could probably stand toe-to-toe with them, to be honest with you, is Ron DeSantis. You know, and then that's the only one. And, and even still, Trump has him beat. Trump has accomplished more um, than I think DeSantis has on a larger scale. I mean, it's one thing being a governor. It's something completely different being a president of the United States. So I think that Trump hasn't beat there. But I would say uh, DeSantis is probably the only person in the room uh, worthy to be put on the A-team list. Everybody else that was there, I don't don't see that at all. So I think Kerry Lake's analysis of it was pretty good. I think it was spot on. I don't... I don't see anything wrong with what she said there, even though she was getting some backlash for saying that that everybody else was the B team and that Trump's the A team and he just couldn't show up today because he had previous engagements already scheduled. Because Trump, Trump's not going to shy away from something like this. That, that's the type of environment that Trump thrives in, in case anybody missed that. He loves that. That, that. that moment where he can get in there and crush the opponent, that's just how the man is designed. This would be an ideal situation for him. So he obviously uh, had some obligations, uh, and he attended them, as he should if he made them prior to this, and that's that. Uh, Overall, pretty interesting to watch. Definitely saw some people hanging themselves there and uh, other people doing exactly what you thought they were going to do. I think this is still going to come down to Trump and DeSantis, and then ultimately whoever um, is the winner out of those two will potentially go up against Joe Biden, depending. Now, with all this done and being said, Tucker Carlson did an excellent job 
because he was asking very difficult questions. And he was, if you gave him an answer that didn't make sense or something he disagreed with, he had no issues with calling him out. This wasn't, this wasn't like watching a, a Democratic convention where they get softball questions and we just want to talk about how great you are and pat each other on the head and it's, oh, it's all, we love each other. You guys are so amazing. Oh, my God. No, you were getting hammered by the people, as you should. You're getting hammered and you should get hammered. And if you're getting some tough questions, I hope you have the right answers. And then you better have some answers for what we have, what we are asking. That is the point of this, is to figure out who's who, see what their responses are, see how they deal with pressure, see how they deal with difficult questions. I mean, the White House is not going to be easy. It's not no walk in the park in there. So you better be ready. You better show up ready and you better do right. You better act right. You better have the right answers. So I like what Tucker did. Now, Tucker, obviously... We all knew he was going to do well when he left Fox News or when they separated. Uh, I don't think there was anybody that thought Tucker wasn't going to be okay. I said the day that I heard it, I'm not worried about Tucker. Tucker's going to be fine. Okay, You, you don't have a host that, that that is that good that's willing to attack and go after the issues as he is willing to do. You usually don't see them do, uh, do bad. He's going to go somewhere else, do something else, create something else, and he's going to be bigger probably than he ever could have possibly been at Fox. Well, it looks like Tucker Carlson and former White House advisor uh, Neil Patel are looking to form a news media company that could use Twitter as its starting point. The news media company will reportedly be based uh, on longer versions of the free videos that Carlson has been putting out on Twitter with subscribers getting access to exclusive material. The two have worked together before. They co-founded the Daily Caller news organization. Uh, This comes after Fox sent Carlson a cease and desist letter for allegedly breaking his contract by posting his own content on Twitter, which is, uh, it's insane to me that you fire the guy, but he still has to abide by his contract. I don't know why you would sign something like that, but I guess in the business, that's just what they do. According to the Wall Street Journal, the two are looking to raise hundreds of millions of dollars to start the venture. The report says that the two have lined up financers, lawyers, and media strategists to work on the new company and have been meeting with Twitter to work out the details. Carlson's recent video content, Tucker on Twitter, has consistently broken tens of millions of viewers on the social media platform. His latest episode, an interview with the controversial Andrew Tate, has garnered over 75 million views. So with all that said, uh, this is why I wasn't worried about Tucker. And I think that what he did is show people, it's a little preview of what's to come. That if you're going to go talk to Tucker Carlson, it's hammer time. Be ready. You're going to have to answer difficult questions, as you should. We, the people, should hold everybody accountable, and we should demand answers. None of this dancing around and and let me answer your question with a question or let me answer your question by not answering and talking about what I want to talk about. No, we want direct answers to questions that we have because you owe it to us and it's demanded of you since we are the ones that put you in office. It is an absolute must. And I I don't know what happens legally with Fox. I don't know, you know, the duration of his contract. I don't know where that takes him to. If I, I think one time it said that it was going to be post the 2024 election. I know Tucker's not going to sit on the sideline until then, especially if they can get something going before that. 
uh, Tucker will do what he's got to do and get this thing up and running because there would be nothing better than to have it up and running before the 2024 presidential election. That's when he's going to pick up uh, the most steam for his, uh, for his media outlet. So I'd like to see that get in place well ahead of that, and I think that they will. They, you know, lawyers, they'll go work it all out, however it's got to get worked out. Uh, but it's no surprise that he's going to do his own thing with his own media company. Uh, there is no word if he's talking about partnering up with people, although he did partner up with the Blaze to do what he did there. So that was uh, Glenn Beck. And, and if you know anything about Glenn Beck, you know that he's all about truth and information. He wants all the right, correct, truthful information and uh, it's no surprise that the two of them partnered up to do this. And then for Carlson, it was just hammer time on stage. And <laughs> he got some pretty interesting results. I got to tell you, yeah, they're political suicide, people that are non-answering. And then you got people that actually were able to sit there and deal with the questions that were given to them. So it was a, it was a pretty good showing. All right. That does it for me on this Monday. I know it was, a, it was a lot there of the same thing, but it was definitely worth going over. It's a complete recap of all of that. If you like what you're hearing, please rate and review me. If you'd like to uh, reach out to me, littlejoecc.com. Go to the contact section. I believe the website's the one. I don't think I've run out yet. Uh, yeah, but you can go to the contact section and send me a message. Beyond that, I hope you have a beautiful Monday. And we will